just had to get the phone with you. We've got to stay on time. We can be here four hours if you want. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. I don't want to be here four hours either. I get, I get tired. Jeff wants to be here four hours. I get tired of just hearing myself talk to my wife. Sometimes I'm like, are you listening to me? Yeah. Anyways, we're going to be in Acts uh, 1, 15 through 26. So if you can open up your Bibles to Acts 1, uh, verse 15 through 26. And it's a lot of passage. It's a large passage, a lot of stuff here. And um, I think one of the main things that we want to see in this passage is the constant theme of God's sovereignty. And we're going to go through all that and what it means because sometimes that can be so generic and it can mean so many different things to many different people. But as a simple act of casting lots, as we're going to uh, see here, we're going to see how even through the most little of things, God is sovereign. So Acts 1, verses 15 through 26, just read along, uh, don't read along with me, follow along with me as I read it. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was all in about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldama, it's Aramaic, so forgive me, that is, field of blood, for it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it. And let another take his office. Verse 21. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of those men must become with us a witness of his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was called, who was called Justice, might have been maybe Mexicans, got a lot of names. <laughs> and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these you have chosen to take place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go his own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, this time that we're able to have this place to be together, Lord God. We ask that your spirit be with us, Lord God. And that from this text, Lord God, we can see in even in the most littlest things, Lord God, that we might not notice. Lord, you are working, you are fulfilling, and you are continuing the mission into which we, you have created us, and that is to glorify you, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, that from this text, Lord God, let it spark a flame, let it spark a fire, Lord God. Let it spark something within us, Lord God, to see the losses reduce and to see disciples produce, Lord God. We put this in your hands, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, you know, we're in the book of Acts. We started that maybe a couple weeks ago or so. 
And as we kind of mentioned, Acts is a continuation of Luke's gospel. Um, early in Acts, he makes mention of Theophilus. And most likely, this is probably the one that is supporting and paying for this uh, writing. Back in the days, they didn't really have Microsoft Word and all that. So it took money to write stuff. So this is most likely what's happening. And then the last week, we left off on the ascension. The ascension and the importance of it. I love what Carlos said last week. He said that the ascension has no meaning without the birth, death, and resurrection. So, I mean, imagine being the apostles, right? And all of a sudden, like, Jesus is just rising on the cloud. I know we live in the time of YouTube, but I mean, like, this was before YouTube, you know, before video editing and all that. Like, right legit in your face. Like, sometimes you see things on YouTube and it's like, I don't believe it, right, with all the editing software we got. But it's, it's important to remember that, that the story doesn't stop there. Did, Jesus didn't just rise in the cloud to sit at the right hand of the Father. And it's important also to, to remember how God has been working throughout history. God has progressively revealed himself and in Jesus being the climax of God's story. Now he continues through the work of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to see now in the book of Acts, which will be next week, the day of Pentecost, in which the Holy Spirit comes and the birth of the church. But we we last left off as as Jesus rising to the clouds and the apostles going back to a city near Jerusalem. And one important emphasis throughout the whole book of Acts and where we last left off last week was that they devoted themselves to pray. And this is why uh, each of us, the elders, elders in training, will be hosting a night of prayer for each month. One month in February, one month in March, and so on. I don't know what's after March. April. <laughs> there you go. And so on. Because we, we really, I think one thing that we can see with the emphasis of Acts is how they devoted themselves to prayer. Before all things, before many things that happen. So it's important also to remember that these were some of the least desired people in which God was using. I mean, these were some of the people that wouldn't meet the societal standards of of being the top-notch leaders. You know, I know sometimes as parents, even for myself, I have four kids. Um, I mean, we want the best for our kids. We want them to go to the best college. We want them to be lawyers and all the greatest things. and, And we want them to be make the most money and all that, right? And we want them to live this, you know, this so-called American dream. But, but these men were, were not that. These were the failures. These were the, the outcasts, the people who were forgotten. And, and even as we're going through the books of Acts, the book of Acts, it's good to remember that God was using just these ordinary people. Just these people who were not the ones with a lot of Instagram likes and a lot of followers and all that. They were just average, regular people, probably even less than that. They were not the theological prodigies. They were not religious leaders. And even to be honest with you, like, this is like speaking as a seminary student, okay? I'm working on my Master's of Divinity. Theology is great, but sometimes we get too bogged out in theology, And we forget the application of what it means. We forget the application of what we are to do. This is speaking as a Master of Divinity student. I know. I don't know when I'm graduating, but (laughs) it's going to come. But sometimes it's overrated. And it's important to remember how God is working, even through the the most meaningless situations. Um, I mean, even 
even myself, like I, I question even what I'm doing up here sometimes. I'm like, Lord, is this really what you're calling me for? Like me, right? Kind of like what Carlos was saying, like me from Bell High School, right? From LAUSD. I'm a, yellow, a product of LAUSD. I know Alma is too, so. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, it's, I, I, I question it sometimes. Like, Lord, really? Me? Like, I, I'm, I'm just not up there, you know? I'm not the greats, but we know that throughout this, we're going to see, throughout the book of Acts, we're going to see how God is using just regular people. So um, it starts off with Peter. He takes off the initiative. He, he, he stands up in the midst of a crowd. And, and Peter will, will usually be the spokesman for the apostles throughout the book of Acts. I mean, he, he even becomes to be one of the prominent uh, figures uh, after the death of the apostles, uh, for many Roman Catholics, Catholics, he is the first pope. So Peter was, was used greatly in history. Peter was used great by God. But this wasn't really the norm for Peter. Let's not forget Peter's track record, right? So let's take a look back. Let's not forget what Peter did. Peter denied Jesus three times. Luke 22, verse 61 says, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This is uh, Peter, the one who says, Nah, I'm not, I'm not going to deny you. I'm, I'm your ride or die, Jesus. He's like, Hold up. You, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And that's exactly what happened. And in this passage, it reminds us exactly how Peter felt after that had happened. He remembered the words of Christ. I mean, imagine what Peter is going through. I mean, every time I fall or mess up or I like, anytime I do anything, I'm like, man, you see, I can't be used. It can't be me. I'm far from perfect. And I mean, it, it, but just imagine what Peter is going through. Like, the rooster crows, dang, just remember, like, and all he could do was weep. All he could do was cry. But yet Peter still had that important role as God used him. We see uh, throughout, his, throughout the book of Acts as, as, a, as a fulfillment and prophecy, he played a, a big role. He announced the fulfillment of prophecy, which he does in this passage, but he also set the stage for the coming Holy Spirit. And what's crazy is, like, I don't even know and think that he knows what's going on. But yet, through all the circumstances and situations, God was using that. In, in reading about this, it, it reminded me of, of a high school friend that I had. And, and I grew up, muscle menos, sort of, kind of, in the church. Um, my dad was a pastor. And so, you know, throughout high school... You know, I surrendered my life to the Lord, and, and I was trying to live right, and I was trying to follow the Word. But, man, it's hard. And especially it's hard when you're like 16, 17, 18, right? You want to try to be cool with the cool crowd and still want to follow Jesus. And so I remember I was struggling. And to be honest with you, I was probably one of the least, one of the worst witnesses of a Christian that I could be in my school, to be honest with you. But man, like, like just years after high school, one of the high school friends just kind of reached out to me. And he's just like, man, I'm struggling. I want to get to know Jesus. And I was like, all right, let's go to Applebee's. So we go out to Applebee's. 
just kind of presented the gospel to him. And I was like, this is it, man. And, and he gave his life to the Lord. And he's now even walking with the Lord now. And it's just amazed me to see, like, honestly, like, I think sometimes, like, man, I just want to move to another city so I can start over. Right? So I can just do things again because I've, I've burned too many bridges. I've been a bad witness. Like, I just messed it up too bad. I, I can't even start over. But even in the midst of that, God was working and God used my horrible testimony to bring someone to his kingdom. And it's important to remember that as we go, that even in the midst of our lack of obedience, God is working. So the last thing, um, the last thing, the last thing that Jesus left with Peter was instructions to feed his sheep. His sheep. And this was when, when Jesus came back after his resurrection. He, he instructed, he asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Why you keep asking me, do you love me? Yes, I love you. And Jesus was just telling him, feed my sheep. And I could just imagine what, what Peter is going through. Like, man, I just denied Jesus. Everything he's, he's told me, everything he said has come into fulfillment, has happened, and yet I still denied him. All right, and then comes back Jesus and says, feed my sheep. I'd be like, like you really want to trust me after I just, I, I just denied you three times? But yet Jesus still decided to use him. And I can just imagine, you know, Peter just, just wanting to do his best to try to fulfill what God has called him to, what Christ has called him to do. I mean, if you really look at it, in our days, we'd probably be like, yeah, Peter, I mean, he can't even pastor again. He can't be involved in any kind of ministry. Like, just, just kick him out. Like, how could you deny Jesus three times? Like, come on, man. <laughs> Let's give him a little bit of grace. But, I mean, I can only imagine Peter what he was struggling in all that and, and all the things that he was going through. But yet to know how Christ used him. I'm sure from that point on, he was like, he had that mambo mentality. He was like, you know what? I messed up once so big. Now I'm going to be on point. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to just keep going and going and going. I mess up. I mess up. It's funny because just this week, um, you know, as we all know the news about Kobe and everything like that and all the other passengers that were on the helicopter. But as um, I was trying to talk to Isaac about who Kobe was and all that stuff, you know, when my, my son watches YouTube videos, and whenever you watch YouTube videos, you watch the highlights. So you watch, like, the best plays of everything, right? And so I showed Isaac, my son, we call him Kuya, I showed Kuya the first NBA Finals that Kobe was in. It was against the Utah Jazz. can't remember the year. But he hit four air balls in the fourth quarter, and they ended up losing that game. And they ended up... Uh, being kicked out of the playoffs, they, they, they went out. I don't even know who won that year. But I, I showed my son because I said, look, we always see the good stuff about people. But remember what Kobe did after that playoff series was he went home and he went to work. He practiced his shot, right? And then that the first game of the next NBA season, they beat the Utah Jazz by 17 points. And he scored like 30 or 40 or something. I can't even remember. But it's important that though the midst of our messiness, though the midst of our brokenness, though how, no matter how bad we fail, yet it's important to remember that, that we are still covered much like the song sings. And we, we got to 
have that same kind of mentality to keep going on forward with the mission that God has called us to. See, our struggle is not purposeless. When you, when you, look, at the, when you look at what Peter was going through, I mean, he, he denied God, but he didn't stay there. He didn't just draw pity on himself. He was used by God even through his struggle. And it's important that even though we fail, even though we mess up, God is still using our struggle and our situation to bring the fulfillment of what he has called us to do, what he is doing. So matter, no matter where we're at in life, God is using it for his glory and to bring him and for us to be able to have opportunities to share the good news. See, church, we got to remember that when we confess our sin, Christ really forgives us. We can move forward by letting ourselves be used by him. But unfortunately, sometimes we are human and we fall into the lies. In Ephesians 6, we talk about how we are within a battle. We are in a battle against ourselves and a battle against sin. And when we start believing the lies that says we're no good, we're nothing, we, we miss out on the joy of being used by God through our messiness. See, God didn't create us to walk with guilt, to walk with a burden over our shoulders, but he, he covered us the whole sin of our lives. And it's to remember to remember that when we walk in that freedom. As we go on through the scripture and through this passage, one key thing that we see Peter say is how he says, scripture has been fulfilled and the Holy Spirit spoke. Luke is going to go on to quote Peter now. And two important things that we see uh, that Peter sees in the events that took place is the next part of God's story in the redemption of his people. See, in Peter's mind, Scripture was fulfilled and the Holy Spirit spoke. And this is an important part because it, it ties in all of Scripture together and really makes the Holy Spirit the author of the, the Bible. It's something that we can know in, in the same way that though, though the Bible was written throughout different eras and different generations, it's important to know how here even Peter is seeing the author of Scripture as the Holy Spirit using men and using people, but yet it's the Holy Spirit ultimately that binds Scripture together, and he is the author it's something that we can walk in and trustworthy. We can, we can trust in his word since everything that has been spoken in his word has been fulfilled. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that glues all things together. It's something that we can have hope in, in the future fulfillment of what's to come. See, our God's plan A is us, the church. It's to continue the mission in which we will see what the apostles did, what Paul did, and what many people throughout Acts we're going to see do. We're plan A. It, it, it's, it's our job as the church to continue the mission of what God has called us to do, to, to reduce lostness and to produce disciples. I think sometimes as humans we, we tend to complicate it. But the Holy Spirit is the main author of Scripture. And what the Spirit wrote through David in, in the Psalms Peter sees these writings as fulfilled through Judas's betrayal and the future naming of Judas's replacement, which we're going to see right now. 
And the two uh, passages that Peter quotes is Psalm 69.25 and Psalm 109.8. And what we're going to read into them right now. And some of us might maybe not know the story of Jesus, I mean of, of Judas. So I'm not going to go full in on it, but I think it's good and important to, to, to really remember who Judas was. And, and, and Peter kind of tells us who Judas is. Judas was one of them, he says. I mean, imagine you're the apostles. I mean, you've been riding together. You've been going through so many things. They all saw, for the most part, the same things, the miracles that Jesus did and everything. I mean, they were, they were road dogs. Like, they were homies. And it's like, nah, not, not my dog Judas, right? Not him. He, he, I mean, imagine how they're feeling, right? It's like, wait, who's next? <laughs> I were looking at each other like, who's next? Probably not. I don't know. But <laughs> the scripture doesn't tell us. But I know sometimes Judas is, is given a bad rep and, and even more so used as a way to make arguments for, for certain things and all that. And I don't want to speak so much about Judas and, and, and where he's at and all that stuff. It's debated and, and I think sometimes we can go into the weeds of it. But more importantly, I think what the importance of this passage is doing is that it's showing how even Judas was a fulfillment part of God's plan. I think that's the bigger picture, the more important picture that we ought to see from here. It was God's plan to redeem his people, to equip them with the Holy Spirit. And, G- and Judas was just part of the fulfillment of Scripture. You know, although what Judas might do, everyone can agree, can be pretty evil. I know early on, as I was studying theology and all that, like, Judas was like one of those names, like, you just don't talk about, right? Like, ah, Judas, he denied Jesus, right? But how much more so do we fail Jesus on a day-to-day basis? I get it. We're quick to judge. I'll be honest. I'm quick to judge too. Okay, I'm quick to judge too. I'm not going to lie. But how quick are we in the same situation? Do we deny Jesus ourselves in our own walks, in our own daily lives? It reminded me of of even Joseph's story early on in Genesis and how his brothers plotted against him and did so many things. What one of the, the, the key verses in Genesis 50, 20, it says, as for you, and this is Joseph talking to his brothers, as for you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. And we know from the story of Joseph that he helped. Um, he helped throughout a difficult time throughout the land of Egypt. And so although certain things seem evil because we live in a broken and messed up world, God is still using all those things for his good, for the fulfillment of what he is doing. And in verse 18 and 19, Luke kind of takes a, um, Luke kind of takes a, a, a sidetrack kind of thought bubble. If you notice, it's in parentheses in our English writings. But he kind of takes like a stop at things. And it's kind of like a, like a thought break, you know, here to give more context to the reader. This man that Luke is referring to uh, as Judas. And in, if you don't know the story of Judas, Judas, the quick version is that Judas was pretty much paid 30 pieces of silver to 
to give up Jesus and to help in his arrest and the betrayal of Jesus. And so that's kind of what this passage is talking about here. And, you know, although it says that Judas bought the land, it's, it's important that we bring a bigger context to this because the agreement was to pay Judas the money. But as, we're, we're, as we see a little bit, the, the scripture tells us that he had remorse after what had happened, as we read in our, in our early passage. Judas had remorse after what had happened. And after this, he came back into the temple and he threw the money back at the chief priests and at the elders. And then he went on to go hang himself because of the remorse that he had. And so since this money was claimed as blood money by the chiefs and the priests, by the chief priests and the elders, they couldn't really put it into the temple pot. Right? They were like, nah, we can't, we can't put this money in there. You know what I'm saying? They said, would it be right? Even though paying someone <laughs> to betray someone else was okay. But anyway, that's for another time. But, <laughs> but it, it's, it's funny because, and they didn't use it. But rather they chose to buy a field with it. And that's why here it's refer, referring to hakeldama in Aramaic, which means the field of blood. And so Matthew 27 gives us a better account of this, which you can go back and, and, and read and see the better, the better account of what went on with Judas. But if, if you had to put it in our standards today, you know, my kids love to go 7-Eleven. And so, yeah, I bribe, it with, I bribe them sometimes with 7-Eleven. Like, do this and I'll go to 7-Eleven. <laughs> and um, 7-Eleven be taking my money. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I want to get the kids kind of used to paying with their own money and saying thank you and you know, learning their manners and all that, you know. And so sometimes I'll give them some money and they'll pay. And so although they're the ones paying for it, it was technically right, my money. So that's kind of how, uh, what's going on here with the purchasing of this, this land of the field of blood. But you, you know what's, what's even crazier is that Luke doesn't even mention this in, in this part of the passage but even those 30 coins of silver, the purchase of the land, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. It was a fulfillment of things. Like, it's crazy. So many things is, is being fulfilled in Scripture. It's mind-blowing to think. But yet, that's how God is. He works even in the most, what we might think, minute ways, in the simplest ways. Maybe you know, the least important things to us, but even in the minimal things, God is sovereign and ruling over and in charge and controlling. Judas's death, as we talked about, he hung himself. And so in one account in Matthew 27, it, it tells us that after the remorse, he hung himself. And in this passage, it's talking about... Uh, the gut spitting out and all that. And there's, there's different accounts here. And it may be what some people might think, a branch that broke or maybe fell off. Maybe some, hit some, a cliff, some rocks that opened it up. Some people say he decomposed and, and uh, his body and the guts spilled out. And see, anyone who says the, the Bible isn't cool, man, it's cool. Okay? <laughs> it's got guts and all that in there. But... It, it, again, I think the bigger purpose is the fulfillment of prophecy, 
is the fulfillment of what God has spoke ages and ages ago came to fruition with Judas, with all the things that we see throughout history. Over and over again, we see fulfillment, fulfillment, fulfillment. In many of the Gospels we see, and this was done to fulfill according to what God has spoke before. It was to fulfill, to fulfill, fulfill, which allows us to see the bigger purpose of what God is doing throughout his story, throughout scripture. I mean, when we think about it, do we ever get tired about hearing this fulfillment? <laughs> it's crazy when you put all this stuff into context and when you read passage. And it's important also that when we read the Bible, we're, we're considering a, a cultural context, right? Because we got to understand all the, the, the cultural the, the, the cultural context of what's going on, but, but also the historical context. I mean, when you look at all that is written in all the different ages and stages throughout history, like, man, God was moving through the midst of all that, using all kinds of people, using kings, using slaves, using everybody to bring the fulfillment to, so that all can know that who he is. And now we as the church are that continuation of his mission. So it's, it's important for us to, 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 to always remember who God is. I know at least for myself, like, I always hear my dad, I grew up in the church, and I can always hear him talking about stories and Bible verses and Bible passages and all this stuff, and I, always, I would always hate hearing it. So like, yeah, I already know. You told me like a hundred times. Like, right? <laughs> and I get tired of all these stories that my dad would tell. But the funny thing is like many of the stuff and the things that he said, like I'm like now doing it with my kids and, and now telling them and, and trying to do the same thing. And, and it's just it's crazy to me to think how us as people, well, maybe just me, but how sometimes within our human realm, within our, our, our finite being, we can minimize the things of God. And yet God was working all these things to bring out the purpose of what he was trying to do. Where was that? <laughs> In the verses 20 through 26, Here we see the stage being set for the day of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church. Luke continues Peter's quote from where he originally left off to where he was quoting about the fulfillment of the Spirit spoke through David's writing. And Psalm 69, 25 says, May there can't be a desolation. Let no one dwell in their tents. Psalm 109, verse 8 says, may his day be few, may another take his office. And although David was writing this with a different intention of mine, well, probably, because the Spirit was the one writing this, is the author of the Scriptures. Well, we don't know, but that's what we're going to say. <laughs> but as, as we see this and we see why Peter was quoting this, I think it's important that we go to Luke I think it's 24. I forgot to write the chapter. But Luke 24, verses 44 through 45, it says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you 
while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled, that he opened their minds to understand Scripture. So Peter, who was with Jesus for a time after the resurrection, it's important, verse 45, to see how, how he, Jesus opened their minds to understand the Scripture. And Jesus spent time with them, with his disciples. And in Peter seeing this as the fulfillment of Scripture, it's important to see how Peter how now had a, a different understanding of Scripture because of the time that he spent with Jesus. Now we go on to see um, Judas being replaced. Uh, it, it's in... It's important to note that Peter's understanding behind his action was from Scripture. I think even in our own lives, as we're going to see a little bit later, at least I do, but we use all kinds of methods and, and ways to see, like, God, what do you want from me? So as, as I was doing my, uh, as I was a new student in my Master's of Divinity class, we had, uh, we had to read this book, and it was called... I forgot what it was called, but it was called, it was about something about like, is God calling you, right? Is God calling you? I can't remember. It was the president of, of the seminary wrote it, okay? Jeff Lorg. I don't know if you'll ever hear this, but shout out, Gateway Seminary. And so he wrote this, is God calling you to ministry? And so I read it, and there's all kind of verbiage and different things that we use. Like, man, I had an inkling in my heart. I had an impression on my heart. Like, I had all these things on my heart. Like, you know, and, it, and I was just like, when you really think about it, like, God, God is calling us to continue the mission of what he has started. God is calling us to continue doing it. But, it, but it's, it's also to be important to be reminded in the same way that Peter was seeing these scriptures and going to these scriptures to now fulfill Judas's replacement. Peter looked at scripture, right? And it's important for us to be reassured, although we are people with human emotions, with different things going on, and we might see different things, it will never stray away from his word. And whatever decision and whatever thing that we do, it will never be against his word. And it's important for us to really read that. But let me go back. Um, so there's two men that they bring out. First of all, the requirements was that they had to be riding with them. Since John, since the baptism of John, since John was baptizing, it had to be people who, who knew what Jesus did, people that saw his resurrection. So it's even important to, to those in the who those who were apostles, that this had to be some of the requirement. So even, even now in days, is sometimes different lingos and, and words get thrown around. Those were the requirements for the, the, the apostleship during that time. And so they bring out two brothers, which was Barsabas, or Joseph Barsabas, the one with like three names. It's probably some kind of... Latino descent, maybe. Just kidding. That was a joke. Sorry. Thank you for laughing. I appreciate it. And Matthias. And so through casting lots, they chose Matthias. And, and even going back into different decisions that we make. When I was reading this, I'm like, man, every decision that I'm going to make now, 
I'm just going to cast lots. Like, where do you want to go eat? Hold on, let me just cast lots real quick. Wingstop, let's go. <laughs> I'm just going to cast lots for everything, right? Every decision that I make, what am I going to do today? Cast lots. Cast lots. No, that's not what the passage is saying, okay? But the point I want to make was, was even before they cast lots, it's, it was something simple, something maybe common for that time. One important thing that they did was they went in prayer before God. They said, Lord, guide it. I mean, it's funny how just a simple act, we see the replacement and the fulfillment of God, what God was doing. But even much more, I mean, even in our own lives, it's important to remember how we are guided and how we are to be dependent on uh, God. Scripture says, the very hairs of your hair are all numbered. Not a sparrow falleth to the ground without your father. In all things, I think one thing we can learn from all this, although the fulfillment of all things has come, it's setting the stage for now the spirit to come and, and the church to be born and, and all these different things. They devoted themselves to prayer. They prayed. And sometimes it's simple. I think sometimes we complicate it. I still sometimes question, like, God, do you really want me are you really calling me to this? I still sometimes debate, like, see, I knew I wasn't. See, I messed up. I knew I, I knew I wasn't. But it's funny how sometimes even the simplest of decisions, we want to complicate it. And sometimes we don't even go to prayer. But yet we're constantly reminded of, to, to, from this passage, to be dependent and to go to God in all things that we do in prayer. And to kind of conclude with today, I think one of the biggest takeaways from this passage, as I mentioned early on, is how God is sovereign over all things in his plan, in his redemptive, in his redemption, in his plan for his people to redeem his people. It's important to, to even consider what the apostles were going through. See, it's easy for us to look at this passage and be like, oh yeah, God was fulfilling everything. God was working. God was doing all these things. But like in the minds of all that were involved of this, they didn't have scripture the way that we do. They didn't know what was going on. See, sometimes it's not always going to make sense. Sometimes things aren't going to seem right. And it's okay. Because we're finite people. We can't control everything. And I think sometimes living in this culture, we want to be people who control everything. We want to be people who can be rest assured. I want my 401k. I want my life insurance. I want all these, these different things to be in line. I got to have it all set. I want to have control over what happens. But if there's anything that I think we've learned from this week is that no matter where we're at in life, we don't know. Tomorrow isn't promise. James reminded that life is a vapor. Life is gone. It's, it's quick. I, I've, uh, I've recently, well, not recently, the last couple of years, kind of been helping out with coaching baseball. And, I mean, I like baseball, but I really didn't. I really don't 
know baseball. I think I know more basketball than baseball. As far as like mechanics and the right drills and all the right things to do. So even in coaching my son's team and helping coach and all these different things, like there's been one guy in our league that's kind of been kind of guiding me and helping me and learn the different mechanics and learn the different drills to run. And, and it's funny is that as we work with the kids, sometimes we have them do drills that it makes no sense. And they kind of look at us and they're like, why am I doing this? He's like, just do it, dude. Like, come on, man. Just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't kick any of the kids. <laughs> but I'm just like, man, just do the drill. Like, just do the drill. Just do it. Okay. Knob to ball, knob to ball, right? It's like for their hitting. And so we have them do all these kind of drills. And like weeks go by and they're still missing. It's like, oh. I don't want to play baseball no more. <laughs> and we just con- continue doing the drill, continue doing the drill. Hey, just keep at it, keep at it. And then all of a sudden, they get like that aha moment, that like moment where they're just like, boom, and they're like, I get it now. I understand it. Knob to ball. Like, it makes so much sense. Yeah. And like, I see him coaching the other kids. And, you got to do this. You dropped your hands. Don't drop your hands. And you're just like, bro, who, like, who is this kid? Who, who is this? All right? Like, a few weeks ago, like, you were, you didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> and now you're trying to coach other kids. But yet in the same way, it, things are not always going to make sense in our lives. Not all things are going to be according to our plan. And not all things are going to be the ways that we want it. And that's okay. Because we see in the fulfillment of Scripture, we see in the fulfillment of God having all things together that we can trust in him and we can put our hope in him and though things don't work out the way we want we can say lord i don't know what you're doing but i'm here use me use my brokenness use my messiness use all that i am to bring out your will and his will is to see losses reduced and disciples produce to have people trust in him and give their lives to him And if there's someone here who has been questioning, debating, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know. I can't make sense of all things. I say, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I don't understand all things either. But I know one thing that I can't count on. is on his word and who he is. And my invitation is, if you are not following Christ, for you today to make that profession. To say, Lord, I don't know all things. I don't have it all figured out. But that's okay. Because I want to put my trust in you. And know that the wrath that I deserve, your son has taken it. When he died on the cross for us. This time before we go, I want to transition our time into the Lord's Supper.